Good evening and welcome to a Saturday night edition of the Kenny and Rennie Show. I'm Ken Weeb of Sportsnet. Uh, Sean Reynolds will not be joining us tonight, as I mentioned on last night's show. If you've missed it, uh, Sean had a death in the family and he's out in the Parkland region uh, with the family. So our thoughts uh, and condolences are obviously with him. I will be joined tonight by Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. And, you know, since it's Saturday night, you just never know who might decide to show up. Uh, and have a little bit of a pop-in, but uh, we're here after a convincing comeback by the Winnipeg Jets, a 5-2 victory, and obviously things didn't start uh, very well for the Jets tonight, obviously. Uh, draw falling behind 2 to nothing early, but uh, they were able to rally and uh, find, find their way back uh, into the contest here. So, um, yeah, so... You know, we're here as usual to, you know, speak to all of you, see what you've got on your mind. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of debate over who might or who should be starting in goal, but it uh, looked like Connor Hellebuck uh, definitely, definitely played well in this one. And as Dave Lowry pointed out after the game, both of the goals that did go in were off the stick uh, of a Jets opponent. The second one was off of Andrew Kopp. Uh, the first one... Uh, I think I also hit a body on the way by. So uh, I know some folks were wondering about that call, but uh, I thought it was a smart call. And this is how I would describe it. And it's nothing to do with, with Eric Comrie. Obviously, we know that Eric Comrie did uh, an excellent job um, in his last start against the St. Louis Blues, uh, earning that big, decisive victory. But to me, this was like a Game 7 for the Winnipeg Jets. I wouldn't say it was a must-win. You can't have a must-win with 30-plus games left uh, in the season. But obviously, you're wanting to start your starter. I mean, there were there was a two-day break between games. Yes, it was back-to-back, but the travel is not overly expansive uh, or extensive when you're looking at a flight from Dallas to Nashville. Yes, there were 35 saves. Yes, the game went to overtime, but uh, it was not a taxing affair uh, overall in the game. So... Uh, I thought that that was a smart call, and yes, I understand when a team falls behind two to nothing early, some folks are you know quick to point the finger and say, well, what is the head coach doing? All these numbers say this, but uh, I thought that Connor Hellebuck did an excellent job uh, of settling settling things down when the Jets were wildly outplayed uh, during a good chunk of that first period of action. Um, in terms of the offense, uh, obviously it was a massive game for Blake Wheeler. We're going to get to him a little bit later on, but uh, five-point night for Blake Wheeler, which was uh, incredibly impressive showing, uh, and that's the kind of game that the Jets needed from their captain. Uh, Mark Scheifele had a couple points again. Kyle Connor, you know, two assists for Josh Morrissey. Uh, overall, just a, a pretty solid game by a team uh, that was in dire need of a victory. Uh, This was a team that left at least one point on the table in the game before, uh, and that was a tough point for them to give up given the circumstances. Now, having said that, they have picked up points in three consecutive games. They've looked like a team that uh, is pretty hungry coming out of this break. They talked about the reset and the ability to reset, and they have been able to do that. now I know how Sean feels when he has to tap dance out of the gate here. So uh, happy to be joined by uh, my good friend, uh, Jeff Hamilton. Jeff, uh, thanks for joining me tonight. How are you doing? I uh, looked like you had to clean up my mess here. I was in such a hurry to get on to the, the show. I, I forgot to have half of the Dave Lowry commentary in, in our full transcript there. 
Oh, I didn't even see it. I'm not writing, so I was just helping out with the transcript. But I wanted to hear the comments in case you asked me, uh, you know, what, what did Dave Lowry say or what I what did I think of his comments? But good to be on. I'm can't really see it, but I'm repping the Sean's headband yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, and you know, I, I I tend to come on in the perfect times when when the hostility seems to be a low one. I was gonna, I'm thank goodness I decided not to wear the wake up shirt. We would have been caught there with. Uh, with a little matching. bit of a, yeah, matching things. And, <laughs> but hey, maybe this encourages you. Maybe someone says something wild and you uh, you have to throw a W uh, U at them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, also, Noah, too, I do appreciate you repping the uh, wake up on the Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. So uh, you already, you, like you said, you got the rotation going. And you, got, <laughs> you, you have you have supported both parties and your friends uh, uh, in this in this uh, outcome. So true. Uh, they both just, arrived. I, They're both great. They fit great. You guys, your your words were true. Everything you know, the pictures online look good, but getting them, they they're cool. They're good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I did touch. Uh, I did touch on Connor Hellbuck out of the gate, but uh, were you surprised at all uh, with the decision to go back with uh, with Connor Hellbuck? I, I described it as this was a game seven for the Winnipeg Jets, essentially. And you know, there's no debate over who you're going to start in a game seven. You're going to start your workhorse. You're going to start your number one guy. I know it's a taxing month, but the Jets came out of the break, and I would argue that because Connery started that game in St. Louis. It got Connor a little bit of extra rest that he normally might not have had uh, going into tonight's game. But we know it's a busy week next week, four games over uh, six days. So anyways, just your thoughts on the goaltending decision first and foremost. I think I'm always surprised when the same goalie plays back-to-back nights, but I'm not surprised when it's Connor Hellebuck that plays back-to-back nights. And certainly to your point, this was a massive game. You didn't start the way you wanted to start this trip. Of course, it's that was a you know this was supposed to be the tougher game. This was supposed to be the you know the uphill battle of, of the second of back to back. So you're disappointed with the, the previous night, and and you're right, the workload. We've already we've also we've we've also heard this too from um, we've heard this in the past from you know whenever he's played, it, you know they always relate to his workload and how he's feeling. It's you know, it's interesting because I know, you know, when Hellbuck returned to the, the you know, the, the crease after an Eric Comrie win against St. Louis, a lot of people are kind of itching to see Eric Comrie. But I don't know how you can complain with uh, how you can complain about uh, Hellbuck's performance tonight, of course. I think it's one of those things where if you win the game, it's a smart move. If you lose <laughs> the game, it's a stupid one. And I think early on, just, wow, what an eventful first period. We can get into that in a bit. But you bet. Um, I think it was, you know, once you saw the two goals, it was almost like, yeah, maybe this, I, I wrote down in my notes, I was like, Hellbuck starting back-to-back, question mark, question mark, you know. But, and, then the, and then, like we've always said, you can flip the script pretty easily and sure enough Connor Hellebuck did just that you know made some key saves when he needed to and you know another guy who's flipping the script is Blake Wheeler so anyway, I'll get off this buffet now I know what it feels like to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to to go for a long visit but there's yeah there's lots to talk about what a great game for for the Jets tonight for sure yeah there's a lot of uh, like like Sean likes to say the the seafood has been re, you know if we're in Vegas for the weekend the seafood has been uh, replenished the lobster tails just showed up at the table and uh, you, you want to make sure you don't mm-hmm. take too much from the first station in the buffet (laughs) because we we have it's a saturday night early game Uh, you don't want to take too much from the first station uh let's get into uh, you know blake wheeler right off the bat i mean second five point game of his career um i know there was some frustration i mean i know there was a lot of frustration on a number of levels um whether it was uh you know it was it was not a flyby by blake wheeler it was more of a fishing trip uh i think he was looking for the poke check and you know sometimes when a guy goes by you i think it looks worse than maybe the play is Uh itself uh mark shifley caught gliding a little bit but 
wasn't really his man to begin with. I didn't think the sort out went very well. I thought that maybe because the Jets didn't play it overly well, it prevented Josh Morrissey from being able to be aggressive and stepping up to maybe get in the shot lane to begin with. Uh, And all of those things kind of added up to uh, a bit of a, you know, head scratching goal there by, you know, Mikhail Granlin. But uh, let's go back to Wheeler. I mean, uh, incredible, uh, incredible game for him. It's so interesting. I mean, the first Shifley goal, that doesn't happen without the entry by Blake Wheeler. That was a vintage mm-hmm. Wheeler taking it wide on the defenseman. And yes, the you know the pretty part of the play was uh, Vili Hainala and Mark Shifley uh, playing catch and leading to the one-timer. But that zone entry by Wheeler really got the play started. Uh, he was, you know, a lot of primary assists among those five points. And uh, you saw some emotion from the captain after scoring as well. And I was curious about what his answer was going to be. And Blake did admit, uh, you know, sometimes he keeps those celebrations a little bit silent. Uh, mm-hmm. Today he admitted flat out that it's been a challenge to score goals. So when he got one, he sort of had this outpouring of emotion. Uh, just overall, your thoughts on the, the play of the captain this evening? Yeah, he was taking a little bit of the Connor Hellup of a therapy, if you will. You know, yeah. the uh, as we heard him say, what was it after the mini? Yeah, the Minnesota game where they they obviously won, and he was first star. Um, you know, he talked about enjoying that a little bit longer, right? Or just really feeling those yep. kind of moments, and you could tell. I mean, you know, Blake speaks on behalf of the team, but even his comments post game. I mean, he talked about the opportunity for the NHL All Star break to take a look in the mirror, to do some soul searching. You had Dave Lowry say, you know, how some of the adversity was getting to them, and obviously he's referring to himself as well. Uh, Dave Lowry saying, you know, he needed that, and and you know, he he thought that, and we've heard Dave Lowry say this a couple times in the last couple weeks about Blake, and in that when he got injured that second time um, or after the COVID, right? When he hurt himself in the knee, that was his best game. And he was, you know, back on track and he felt like he was whatever. And then, um, you know, and then everything kind of went, it derailed. And, you know, he's, he's obviously had the season and, the, and some of the, the negativity that's come with it. And, you know, I mean, you're the highest paid player. So it's not like, you know, the people want most more out of you. And when you say your best players, I mean, whether he, you know, Blake Wheeler isn't one of this team's best players, but he's up there. And, and, you know, when he's, when he's a leader of the team and he's getting paid the most money, he needs to have big nights. And, um, you know, for him to have the five point night, I mean, that's, you know, you look at it and it distorts the points a little bit, but it's like save some of those for the other games too, but they were crucial and in, in a crucial game that they needed to come back on. So certainly tons of credit to him. Hopefully he can, uh, take a game like this and, and and ride that momentum and get feeling good for for future games because you know he gets his opportunities he just needs to to finish them and and he, he has been doing that and, and he's justifying his ice time I think with with games like tonight I guess yeah there were a lot of folks uh, in the chat room last night uh, a little bit upset in terms of the the Blake being over 20 minutes but I don't think anyone is upset today and that, that was a turn black the clock kind of night for Blake Wheeler uh, I mean here it, the numbers speak for themselves I mean it's not from lack of generating scoring chances. He came into tonight's game, Jeff, with a 2.8 shooting percentage. I mean, 10.6 for his career. So eventually things are going to get sorted out. And yes, I mean, there have been some challenges. Blake has admitted them. COVID obviously hit him pretty hard. Uh, But now suddenly Blake Wheeler up to 26 points in 31 games. I mean, it's a lot like last year where... Uh, you know, we had the dope, you know, I don't like you beaking my captain. And all of a sudden, Blake Wheeler is almost at a point per game level. Uh, and tonight, so many of those points came in in critical times. Um, you know, he had eight shots on goal today. I thought he was skating really well. The effort level was extremely high. But but most importantly, that back to leading by example. And Jeff, let's get right into the power play. There have been tons of times this year 
where the Jets' power play has let them down. I think of the moment where the season kind of turned around. I mean, yes, it's you know over an ex- it's an over exaggeration, but the inability to score during that four minute double minor to Connor McDavid in that game against the Oilers that they ended up, you know, McDavid has the crazy one on three goal before that. They don't score on that game uh, on the power play. They lose in over they lose in overtime uh, or the shootout and then the season kind of got derailed. I mean, today after that headshot by Mark Borowetsky, uh, the elbowing major in game misconduct to Yevgeny Svechnikov, the Jets cash in two times on that power play. There've been so many times where they had sort of been a little bit tentative they didn't kind of put the pedal down if you will but this time they go out and get two goals to kind of take uh the bull by the horns in a game that they absolutely needed uh what stood out to you about the the way the jets power play was able to cash in this evening we'll talk about flipping the script the narrative was the power play was going to be letting them down because that's how they were going to get back into this game because they were at one point were one for five Mm-hmm. I mean, right, they finished three for eight. Obviously, those two massive goals on, on the five-minute uh, power play. And um, when you consider that the five the last two minutes of the five-minute power play was four on four after they, you know, had a bit of an even-up call. Um, and certainly, you know, I think you, you heard Pierre-Luc Dubois say after the game that they got there on the center dot immediately and said, look, like, we, you know, five minutes, the trap can be that you kind of play with the puck a little bit and try to find that perfect shot. And next thing you know, you've bled 90 seconds, two minutes off the clock, you know, push the push the play early, get, you know, get see if we can get a few on here because we have a massive opportunity. This isn't just an opportunity to get up one goal. It's an opportunity to get up two or maybe even three goals. And, the, and they were heading on that trend of probably three goals if they didn't get the you know what i thought was a bit of a you know that's a disappointing penalty on mark shifley you know i thought mike shifley had, mark shifley had a good game but it's one of those things where you know it was the second time he was out there like they put they put that unit back on pretty quickly after they scored yeah. that goal and then um you know the second unit was on and then they went right back on so he was probably tired in you know at that point but just that's a disappointing one but but you I mean that's you can't dwell on those they, they scored twice and they they won the game obviously so to me it's I think it's uh, the power play certainly clicked. It helped. And I, uh, you know, you hear Dave Lowry say after the game, it's complete. It's so true is that when you're, you know, you don't, you never want to see a guy get injured, obviously. Uh, You know, you don't never want to see a guy get hurt, but when he does and you get the opportunity, you want to make him pay and the Jets did. And so you got to feel pretty good about that, um, you know, as far as the special team side. Yeah, I agree with you. Obviously, that that unit cashed in, but I did think they were. It was kind of at an end of a long shift. Mark's got to win that battle uh, in the guy. You know, Ekholm going to the net. You win the puck battle before that, and there's really no play to have to you know get the penalty call there. Uh, but again, that 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 unit did cash in. They did their job. The puck movement I thought was excellent. Uh, you know, so funny. I mean, the the Kyle Con- Kyle Connor basically had a shooting gallery over on that right wing uh, side, the you know, kind of the reverse line A, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, the one he gets is kind of one that you know changes direction and is a change up that kind of sneaks through the wickets but I thought their puck movement was a lot better uh, we know that the Jets have been a little bit too static in terms of their positioning on the power play uh, but there was a, quite a few more interchanges and the ability to to get shots from the slot with Pierre-Luc Dubois like Mark Scheifele used to get on the other side uh, all of those things were important and uh, again ultimately they just cashed in on a game uh, in a game but they really needed it and Jeff let's get into this a little bit uh, you know we stay on the power play I mean you got to love the way the Nashville Predators play, but they are so undisciplined. I think to me, I mean, it's such a fine line between playing on the edge and playing over it. There are just so many, whether it's an offensive zone minor, 
uh, or you know the Borovetsky play. I mean, I know our friend Marshall Patterson is in here. Uh, it's a bad out to me. It's a bad outcome. I think mm-hmm. I don't think that Borowetsky went into the play thinking I'm going to elbow Svechnikov in the head. He kind of got caught in a vulnerable position, and because he kind of made made a little bit of a move. I don't think that I think it was more reactionary. I don't think it was obviously it was a headshot and it had to be a game misconduct. But I don't think he kind of went in uh, thinking that that was going to be the outcome. I mean, what were your thoughts maybe on the hit itself and, and what happened after the review? You know, it's it's clearly the intention isn't there. You know, the intention isn't there to hit him. The intention isn't there to clip him. We all know that there's cameras, um, so it's not like you can get away with a lot of things. I think it was. You know, as much as it was probably accidental, it was still contact. It's still, yeah. you know, there was there was blood. So that's going to have, I mean, whether you like this or not, um, any kind of result like that, any blood or a guy down is going to draw the attention. I, I originally thought maybe it was a high stick, clearly not Same. a high stick. So, like, I, you know, when a guy's bleeding like that, I, you know, you usually think he's caught him with a, or clipped him with a stick. So I'm thinking four minutes right away. And, I was almost I was surprised when they announced five minutes, like when the ref announced five minutes, um, and then with the review, and then of course the review sh- again it shows him. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. Clearly, there was contact. He was cut. Um, he was rattled. We don't have an update on him. Dave Lowry couldn't offer much after the game. Uh, said he hadn't had a chance to talk to him or whatever, or, or the, the doctors or whatnot. So anyway, um, but it's you know it's one of those things where you just it's you're going to clip them and it's at that shoulder thing. And we, you know, you can't get a guy's head anymore. So that's kind of the start and finish of, of the, of the argument. And who knows if he's going to get supplemental, you know, discipline. We'll see what happens with all that. But at the same time, I mean, you gotta, they're trying to get those hits out of the game. So I think for me at the end, when it's, when it looks like he's kind of complaining that he didn't do anything like, you know, or, or how, you know, how are you kicking me out? I think that shows maybe a little bit of, you know, his intention didn't, it seemed genuine, but at the same time looks kind of goofy on the ice when a guy's like, what did I do? And they're, right. they're you know, they're showing the replays and <laughs> this guy's leaking on the ground. You know, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to, to win that argument with the refs. So, um, but overall I thought the hit was, you know, it's, I, I don't call it dirty, kind of just like, the, I know a lot of people might disagree with this, but even, you know, Adam Lowry didn't disagree with it when he said that Marcus Foligno probably would want to take that back. He's not that type of player. I don't get, I get a similar vibe to that play and that it was a, you know, a bad decision, clearly a, you know, evidence there and, and enough to, you know, suggest what he did, but I just don't think the intent was necessarily to, to clip his face. Yeah, agreed. And a nice one from Al Broderick here. I think maybe Al doesn't even know, but sometimes Kansas actually plays during the intermissions in Nashville. So, well, and I was also saying I think the, that was maybe an accidental, but pretty good. Uh, if that was intentional, nice job. If it was a coincidence, also a nice job. That rink's also a buzzing one. When you say, like, so oh, you asked man. me about you asked me about the hit. Yeah, I think it's just these guys. It's Saturday night in Nashville. You know, it's just a constant party during the game. <laughs> it's like, I remember I've been there a couple times. I know you've been there plenty of times. It's just one of those things where it's like, it just seems like a party. So all those guys, like they fit, you know, Nashville finishes checks. They're a good team. I mean, they're a hard skating team. They wanted, they, they knew they the Jets were obviously coming in the, you know, coming into their rank and, and the end of back-to-backs. And at the same time, um, you know, wanted to take it to them. And I thought they did take it to them early. And then, you know, I think the frustration from Nashville uh, just didn't seem to subside. And they wanted to continue to play that kind of after the whistle 
uh, um, you know, hockey, and it worked in in the Jets' favor. I I feel this these these games are getting heavy, and I'm wondering, you know, is this the way the Jets like we've seen fights in the last three games? Yeah, you know, like I don't I think this is by design. I know a lot of it follows, you know, like Dylan's you know Dylan's scrap yesterday was was based on a hit and and whatever. I, you know, I was I wrote down fighting here. I'm not a Personally, I'm a guy who enjoys the uh, you know the, right. the the rough housing in, in hockey, and and I and I will preface that by saying I think it's a you know it's the players that want it. Like so, we, you know, you and I can debate fighting in the game. You and I can you know we can have different opinions. Obviously, no one likes the results of people getting hit in the head and all that stuff. The reason why it's in the game is because the players want it to be. And you hear Blake Wheeler talk about it after the game. You hear Pierre Luc Dubois not necessarily name Adam Lowry, but you know, talks about the contributions outside of the stat sheet, outside of scoring goals and assists. And, you know, I, I think there was elements there where you, you didn't really want, like, you know, like Adam Lowry drops them, it drops the gloves again to let them know that, you know, let his teammates know, give them the spark that they're not going to get run over on the second of back-to-back nights. Yeah. And that, you know, there, there's a spark there. So, I mean, to me, it's, you know, I think it's, uh, yeah, like I think the energy in the rink, you won't be able to feel it over the TV, but I think that energy and that angst was was certainly in high drive all, all game. Yeah, and Jets fans hate it, but, I mean, let's be honest, Jeff, I mean, both times we, when we've been in the rink together, I mean, it's got the great festive college atmosphere. The, it, the it's all your fault chant is unbelievable. I mean, I know Jets fans don't like to hear it because that means that they were scored on, but the buzz in the rink is so great. I mean, College uh, atmosphere is an interesting comparison. It feels more like a rock concert. Okay, <laughs> so maybe, sure. They, they I mean, uh, live to music. me, they got live no, music going from start to finish, and it's crazy. For me, the rock concert element is more just Vegas. Like that's kind yeah, of that club slash big event. But to me, it just I love the I love the atmosphere in there. The the, the fans are fired up. I mean, it's a great hockey market. Uh, we've been in there during the playoffs. It's just fantastic and uh, you know maybe non traditional. But these guys love this this community loves its hockey, and I love the the way that they've gotten into the games and. Uh, it's the kind of team that is easy for them to root for because they're a big physical kind of team. They got a lot of skill. Uh, I mean, I do think that, uh, you know, the response was impressive. I mean, Brandon Dillon just about had another uh, big uh, kind of KO type of hit. Uh, the player just got out of the way at the last second. But, um, I mean, yeah, they've been answering the bell physically. Uh, I didn't like the Tanner Janot hit from behind on uh, Vili Hainala. And actually, I didn't. The hit that was worse was Benning on Paul Stastny in the corner. Oh, it was yeah, a, yeah, it was a clear yeah. and blatant example of boarding. I mean, people are arguing. Well, Stastny turned. Well, okay, but he still hit him clear on the numbers. And you know, Paul Stastny, Stastny does turn pretty quickly. No, no, true, there. true. You know, like that one is a tough one. I, you know, but yeah, as far as look optics wise, were the refs that close and could just fire his hand up as they often do? Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Very interesting. Uh, you know, let's. But I, to... I didn't like the. I thought Billy Hainel one was worse because I felt like Billy. Oh no, wasn't no, for as, sure. You know, he didn't as, turn. Yeah, he kind of. Yeah, he just chased him down and and pushed him. You know, face in. So that was a clear finish on a vulnerable player, and I didn't like that at all. I mean, Tanner Janot, I love the way that he plays, but uh, he doesn't need to go after the little guys. You know, he's a guy that goes after the biggest guys on the ice. So. Uh, I would have uh, liked to have seen him let up on that hit. I didn't like the hit. And at he's all. a tough guy. I mean, he's a he is a tough guy, guy. And, for sure. And, for he, sure. and he's not just a tough guy either. He's having a good season. What a year! You know? What a year! Yeah, yeah. So like he's kind. Of, and from what I understand from the 
broadcasters is is absolutely shredded. He said, quote unquote, shredded. So I haven't seen the guy with his shirt off, but those are the scariest guys, the ones that are tough and, and pure muscle and don't seem to whatever. You know, I, I, I've seen Peluso's name tossed up in here, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of times. And I was a huge uh, proponent of, of, you know, his game. And, and I know he needed that added element, that scoring element that we would always see in practice. He had some of the silkiest bits in practice, but when it came to, you know, getting it done during game time wasn't good enough, but just kind of, you know, he was a guy who you knew was tough. And so I kind of clear option. Yeah. He reminded me of him. And then Lowry went him and, and, you know, threw him down. I thought he got the better of a, of a, of a very short fight, but uh, certainly did not look out of place. And just a quick one before we get back into the game, uh, folks for, I know again, obviously folks are asking about Nikolai Aguilar's updates. Uh, when we asked Dave Lowry this week, he said it would, you know, he couldn't give a definitive timeline. He said it could be two weeks, could be four weeks. So I'm going to split the difference. I don't expect Ehlers back before three weeks from when that conversation was held. Uh, wow. So whatever, maybe that's March 1st, but uh, put folks that were hoping to see him on, um, on Monday, they, you will be disappointed uh, and we'll see if he gets back before the end of the month. Uh, the Jets obviously are missing Nikolai Ehlers, but uh, they've had some guys step up. Uh, I mean, let's get, I mean, last night we talked about uh, you know, Cole Perfetti, uh, a lot of people upset with the demotion in air quotes. Uh, I like the fact, A, that he went back to Cole Perfetti. And what did you see from Cole as he bounced back uh, in this game today when he got back with his kind of standard line mates? Yeah, you know, I just, I, I'm so impressed with this kid. You know, he's he's just so poised, you know. he's so And it's, it's on the ice he's poised. It's off the ice he's poised. Like this guy is, you know, when you had the similar feelings, and I'm talking about off the ice here, we had, a, you know, we, you had those feelings about Josh Morrissey, about how he presented himself how he, you know, um, fielded questions and just the way you just the kind of person that he, he, he came across as a, a genuine kind of person. And you get those same feelings with Cole Perfetti that he's, you know, he's got leadership qualities and, and whatever, but just his IQ, man, like, I mean, he's going to have to adjust. There's going to be growing pains. There's going to be a lot of, you know, getting used to this pace, getting used to, cause I mean, that's the, the biggest thing is you hear from these, you know, you go from junior to pro, uh, even going from the AHL to the NHL, the biggest thing is speed, right? Speed of the game. The game speeds up at, 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 at every level. And it's one thing to be, you know, fast enough. It's not just speed as in, as in skate speed. It's about, you know, the passes are quicker. You have to think quicker. You have less time. Uh, and and, and I, the thing about him is, yeah, he's, you know, there have been moments where maybe he does, ha, doesn't look as good but there's been way more moments where you go wow this guy is you know he has the iq he has the smarts he's getting used to it and you know he's going to be a good player you know he's going to be able to get you know adjust to this i i still say this is going to be a tough stretch for him you know this is a lot of heavy games i I think he i think he enjoys playing he did say he enjoys playing he acknowledges he's not the biggest guy i mean it's it's so funny man you see that guy up on uh, like in front of a mic and he looks like a kid like he like he looks young like sitting beside paul stastny uh the other day he looked like he was like a you know he was posing for his grade eight photo like it was you know and paul stastny obviously being you know you know a veteran in this league so um but just i just full marks to him and 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 his development and and what he's going to be he's not you know he'll continue to grow he'll continue to be to play well i think he's had i mean we've talked about this at length he's had such a, a crazy you know, opportunity oh, for a young pro and, and, and being able to, to work in the AHL. So he knows, he knows what it's like to play a lot of games in few days. And, and so, but I still think this is going to be a big challenge for him, but I'm looking forward to see how he handles it because, you know, he's got that, 
he's got that bit to him, you know, that IQ that, that, you know, his legs will catch up, everything will catch up, but you know, the smarts is something that you don't just, you know, you can't just learn and you can certainly see it with this guy and the way he plays. Yeah, for sure. And again, yesterday, you know, just over 11 minutes of ice time today, he's back at just under 15. And I've said this before. I love everything that I've seen from Cole Perfetti. You talked about his maturity and his ability to, I love the way that he's a great comparison, Josh Morrissey. I mean, he's very well spoken. He's insightful, articulate, you know, genuine love for the game, all of those things. But I I think that at at 20 years of age, I don't think Cole Perfetti is ready for 20 minutes. I said last night on the show, I said, this to me is like the Nikolai Ehlers sweet spot ice time argument that we've been having for years. Right. Um, When, you know, when he was playing 16 minutes, people wanted him at 22. Well, the physical toll it takes on an undersized forward is intense. And especially during stretches where they're going to be four games and six nights. But uh, it's the word processor that uh, Cole Perfetti carries around that allows him to, to not let his, you know, Again, foot speed, I'm not saying he's not going to be a fast player, but he's just not a burner like some of the other guys that have come in on the Jets, those first rounders like Ehlers and Kyle Connor and even Jack Roslevic. So, I mean, he's not he, slow. He's no, a, he's yeah, not slow at all. It just, like, yeah. he, he's just not an you know, above average skater at 20 years old. And he's he's going to develop, develop his muscles. He's gonna physically. Be, you know, there's guys, yeah, exactly, 100%. Yeah, so I, I like the way that they went back to him. I also like that he promoted Jansen Harkins yesterday. Jansen Harkins was more noticeable in the game and and got more of a chance. And like I understand some folks wanted Perfetti to move up earlier, and I like the fact that he went to uh, Dave Lowry went to him with Lowry and uh, and Cop in the third mm-hmm. period. But I wish he'd gotten that for a couple more shifts. Uh, well, don't you love st- that part too? Like, don't yeah, you love the yeah, idea yeah. that he, that that Dave Lowry is not only living up to his words about who's rolling is going to be playing more. He's identifying in game. That tells me someone who's paying attention and understands. You know, there's a luxury to you. You know, Cole Perfetti playing less minutes in, in in certain stretches if he's not if he's not going well for his own confidence, for his own you know his own longevity. These are tough things from so. But Jansen Harkins, who's been who was buzzing before he got up that promotion, if he gets the opportunity, if he's going, why wouldn't you put him up there? And 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 it worked out. So you know, but but certainly, you know, I think I think they just understand. I'm not saying the average fan doesn't understand that or, or we even understand it. I'm saying that the conversations that they have with a guy like Cole Perfetti or, you know, their strategy behind this, this isn't just like, okay, you know, this guy's going to, you know, he's going to constantly increase minutes. They under, you know, he, they go to him, they understand what he needs to be successful. They try to find a range for him, but I do like what they've done with Cole Perfetti and that they've, they've put, they've surrounded him around players that he that that he can grow his game with, like he can get better with. He's not being logged down to a third line grinder. He's not a fourth line guy getting you know nothing for minutes. He's playing you know good position. And if he has to go down, I think that's just you know that's just giving another guy an opportunity. Not necessarily that's promoting a guy as much as it is you know or maybe less than demoting a guy like Cole Perfetti. For sure, and I, I'm gonna go. I, I think to me, Jeff, from the conversations I had with guys like Craig Conray, his old roommate in Calgary, a guy that he, he played with for a long time, and then when Dave was an assistant coach, uh, Craig was still on the team. I feel like that's the Daryl Sutter influence. One thing Daryl Sutter is really known for is that those in-game adjustments and kind of leaning on guys who are going. Uh, that's sort of what I see on that front. Uh, just sh- switching gears to the other 20-year-old. Uh, on the team, uh, I don't want to jump all over the place, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I love the identification from Dave Lowry on that four-on-four situation to go to Vili Hanala early in the game. I mean, where does this guy excel in open ice? Where yeah. is the most open ice outside of a three-on-three overtime? Four-on-four is built for Vili Hanala, 
And there are two, like for everyone saying that, oh, well, Dave Lowry is just doing things the way that Paul Maurice did them. Well, he does some of the things the same, but no, I mean. Who's saying that? Uh, yesterday in the in the in the chat room, people were going all all wild about it there. So uh, to me, I mean, there that it's great identification by the coach, and, uh, I, and lo and behold, obviously it worked out. But I mean, that's where you can use the speed, vision, got got involved offensively, but not at a high risk profile. So uh, just maybe your thoughts overall on Billy Hanel. I know yesterday he was uh, at eleven minutes and change. Today Hanel thirteen twenty eight. So yeah. a little bit more ice time. Leaned on him a little bit more. Uh, maybe just your overall thoughts there, and then we'll stick on the defense core a little bit more uh, into detail. Well, I think those minutes, even if you look at the marginal difference as far as like what he got versus last game, if you consider how many power plays the Jets had, um, I think it, it shows you that he's he's just adjusting well. He's going to have growing pains. He's going to be, you know, he's going to have certain moments in games that he learns from. But this guy is so smooth, and I was. I was as much impressed as I was surprised to see him them on, him on the four and four, but it makes a ton of sense. He, this is a guy who you get into open ice. This is where he thrives, as you mentioned. This isn't you know this isn't four and four isn't battled hockey. It's possession hockey, and and you when when a guy like Billy Hanel is on your team and he's and he and he I thought up to that moment he proved he was playing well, and I think that's kind of what Dave Lowry is seeing with these young guys is he's identifying if they're rolling and when they're rolling, he wants to, you know, maximize that. And I think that's the opportunity you need to give guys like Billy Hanna. And I think he's rewarded you. I think he shows he's got poise too. I think he's got a bit of a, I think Billy Hanna has got a little bit more of an edge to him than we, than we maybe give him credit. Like I Agreed. think he, he's got a bit of fin to him, if you will. Like, I, like he's got a bit of nasty to him. Like I know he wants to be up here there. He doesn't lack confidence, which is massive. I think, you know, a lot of people, um, there's probably been a lot of frustration from him in the past, you know, with, with how he's been used. But now I think he's more comfortable than he's ever been. And and um, and he's ready to prove it. He knows that, you know, he knows he needs to play a responsible game. He knows he can't be a liability out there. But he also knows he needs to he needs to do do something more than, than just stick in. Right. He knows that he's he's in a position where he's probably the next guy out, you know, uh, of yeah. that six. So he is fighting for a spot every game so he needs to have that balance between mistake free hockey but also the hockey that that you expect from Billy Hanna so he's not being removed from the lineup that he's not that next guy out maybe a Dylan DeMello and I'm not I'm just throwing out you know names mm-hmm. for the sake of throwing out names here but you know I think he needs to make that difference and I think the beauty about his game is that he has like Cole Perfetti um, but even more so in some ways that confidence there like I think he he you know he knows he can he knows what he he's he's better than the AHL. He knows that he he belongs where he is, and and there's an effort you can tell on his part to show that part, and he's getting rewarded for it more often than not. Yeah, for sure, and I, I love the confidence. And the one thing that I've said earlier, uh, I mean, I, I love the fact that if he's made a mistake or something doesn't go his way, that it doesn't seem to bot like he. He doesn't have a I don't care attitude, but he doesn't let it detract him or get him down. Like, And that's an important quality when you're a young player, especially a creative one, because Vili Hanela has to be aggressive in his defensive reads. And when he's attacking players at the line, he has to be smart. We know all the other stuff he's got figured out. He's one of the best zone exit machines already on the Jets with his ability to use his agility and lateral ability to get moving sideways to create lanes, whether it's up the wall or up the middle. Uh, it's just the other parts of his game that are really rounding into form nicely and uh, I love the confidence and I love the fact that he's 
you know, have with the puck on his stick. He's not panicking and making a high flip. He's looking for a play and making plays. And that cross-ice pass to Shifley is absolutely exceptional uh, under the circumstances. And uh, that's a really good sign of, of movement. I mean, I know someone had asked in the chat room, uh, have we seen enough to say Villy's in for sure? Well, no. I mean, he's he's... he's if you're a rookie, your job is always basically, you're always on, you know, high alert. So I'm not saying that Logan Stanley goes in immediately after he's healthy. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all. But there's competition happening on the back end. Uh, what Anything else stand out to you about the rest of the way the defense is playing, especially maybe since the pairings have been shifted? Well, bit. I thought, you know, defensive group, I think right now is the, is the way they've played the last three games, getting five out of six points against divisional teams that are all above them in the playoff or in the standings. I know Dallas isn't quite there in the playoffs yet, but um, they're coming, you know, they're coming, but this is the, but this is the lineup that I think they like. And, and I, and I, and I'm, I'll be curious about Logan Stanley. He, he traveled, right. He, he was never yep. going to play, but he's traveled. He's around the team. They want him to be part of it. He's getting in on, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know if he just goes right back in, you know, especially if they continue to, I don't think you're at a situation where whether, whatever your philosophy is. And I know we, I know Paul Maurice had a philosophy of you don't really lose your, you know, lose your spot in the lineup due to injury. So when you're ready, you know, you're hundred percent ready to go into the lineup. You go back to where you are. I don't necessarily think that will be the case. Um, but the jets are also playing a lot of hockey in a lot of days. So I wouldn't be surprised you know, their injuries pop up. Some, sometimes these things figure themselves out, depending on, on, on what happens on the injury front. Obviously, COVID is still very much a thing as the Jets will have to take a bunch, you know, testing has stopped regularly, but testing hasn't stopped to go into the, you know, the States again. So they'll be testing next week right. before. So there's, you know, there's lots of opportunity, but I, you know, I've, 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 liked, I've liked enough from this defensive group. I'm with you. I really like the Dylan and Schmidt, you know, combo. You know, I, I, I think Dylan's played just, that gritty hockey he's been him and Adam Lowry have been, I think the two guys that have set the tone, you know, physically for sure. Um, but I just, even if you look tonight, I mean, this was a, the jets aren't very good at the back uh, at the back end of road trips. And I know, you know, uh, usually that's over more days than two, but when you consider they played the night before, you know, I thought they played a great team defensive game today. Like I, you know, there were times where I thought Nashville took it to them, pinned them in their own end. But the Jets were just plugging up the middle of the ice. I mean, a lot of that stuff was was kept to the outside. You know, a lot of it was just, you know, getting in front of pucks, smart sticks, those those kind of things. So from that defensive standpoint, um, and even protecting the lead, they're never really, you know, usually you kind of feel a push from the other team. You kind of feel things flipping. Yeah, I didn't get that feeling that much today with them. So defensively, you know, particularly in this game, of course, but maybe this week, um, you know, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good team defensively. And I think when you when you I think when everyone feels a part of it, I think that's a, a big part of that that success is when everyone feels a part of it, whether it's, you know, high emotion in games. And Dave Lowry said that in his post game comments, emotion that like this team thrives off emotion. I think guys like Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley need to kind of get pushed into this, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, wake up, if you will. Um, just with, you know, as physical as these games are. And I think the Jets are going to need to continue to play that beyond just the games that are central division, right? Don't go in and play, you know, other divisions games and try to, you know, run and gun. Play that physical, nasty hockey. And um, that's certainly what we've seen this week. And uh, being able to get five out of six points playing that style, small sample size for sure. But, um, you know, enough to suggest to keep doing it for now. Yeah, that's their pathway, right? I mean, they still need to prove it. 
because they haven't been able to cure that in- inconsistency bug. But the the blueprint and the template, all those things are there. It's just a matter of now not nailing down and drilling down on those details. Uh, man, we're almost 40 minutes through here, time flying. So since you were so kind to wear the t-shirt, Jeff, uh, I'm going to have to uh, pop up the uh, the new additions at the uh, at the Sportsnet store of the Kenny and Rennie merchandise. We have the Wake Up Coffee Mug and the uh, KNR oh. the uh, the KNR t-shirts. Uh, are now available uh, on the site as well, along with, I don't have one yet, Sean has the only copy, but uh, there is a uh, wake-up water bottle that is uh, is available too. And, uh, yeah, the, I know because a lot of people any, any were... Any story were, behind this? Like, well, this people were beaking me. Products or what? Yeah, they were they were beaking me because I always have the Desani waters after the after the games on the oh, home games. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you, you never know, we, tell them that you bring the same empty Desani 591 <laughs> milliliter to every, every game. And so I, it's, you've, been, you've been using the same Desani water bottle for years now. I'm a big time recycler, that is for sure. But uh, folks who have supported us already, awesome, uh, you know, with the mugs and the water bottles. And I think, you know, uh, I don't Wait need until to speak they find up. out the Jets don't recycle in the press box. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Sean's headband is, I shouldn't even be saying this, but classic marketing, I guess, here, right? There will be a Sean's headband available at one point as well here, folks. So uh, I see some for... ideas floating in the comments. Maybe we should tease them with one of uh, one of my brand <laughs> t-shirts and uh, that would go really well with work. They'd be like, oh, uh, saw, saw, saw your, your face or your name on a, a t-shirt for Sportsnet. It's like, yeah, yeah, just things got wild over the weekend. Incredible. <laughs> we'll get into the man wearing the t-shirt to the games uh, after this next little stretch here. But uh, uh, David Gustafson was on the ice with the Jets on this road trip, uh, starting to get closer to full health. Uh, I'll, I'll be very curious, Jeff. I, I think there's a good what chance. Were you call, he... you call him a band-aid? Were you, was that you that was calling No, that was not me. No, that, know, was, uh, that was everybody I else. I you to give me a wake-up. You, you yeah, you, 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 you throw you a wake-up to that? Did you throw you, a wake-up to that comment? Because I know that, that fired you up. And I remember it, I went to the It annoys me. I go, yes. I go, look, I get your point, but kind of you get hurt, and then you come back and get hurt for a different injury. That is kind of a band-aid. But, like, hey, I mean I, I mean that with all with all due respect. But, yeah. Uh, his his lifetime Wake games up. played are at a pretty good spot. So, uh, I mean, I, I would think he has to go back to the Manitoba Moose to play some games first. Um, that's just my personal opinion. I think mm-hmm. that there would be a temptation to throw him back in. But uh, now he's missed a lot of time lately. And, I mean, I know David Lowry likes Dominic Toninato on the, on the penalty kill. Uh, I think that Gustafson would help the Jets during the stretch run and in the second half, but I think he probably needs to get some games with the Moose first uh, before he's back in. But, you know, shedding the non-contact is the next step, uh, of course, in that process. But uh, let's transition to... Look at these, man. These these comments here, they're just, they're pushing for the... Uh, the, the, the I, have, I have a bunch of designers here, designer options. Oh, <laughs> Well, we appreciate all the feedback. That that is very important. Uh, speaking of T-shirts, um, the man wearing the T-shirt because he was stuck in New York uh, with no suit uh, scores again yes. today. Uh, angry Pierre Luc Dubois was, or the feisty version was also out there again. It looked like he wanted to uh, go after Mark Borovetsky. Um, what were your thoughts on Pierre Luc Dubois' game as he hits the twenty goal mark? Um, with you know almost what is it now thirty seven games left uh, in the regular season. You know what I like about his you know and I've called I haven't called him any names but he's such a I guess it's late night tell he's such a prick and I love it like I, I just I I love that and it, it always comes from it's not cheap shot right like I mean right. or it is it is sometimes cheap shot sorry it is it's but it's not like Brett like and I said this before it's not like a Brad Marchand like rat kind of you know move where it's like almost kind of like super he usually does it to defend a, a teammate. 
and he yeah. does it out of raw emotion. So you know he's, you know he he cares, right? He knows you know that he gets fired up pretty easily. So um, you know I I think it's great. I mean it's it's uh, I, I love the I love the photos of him on on uh, Instagram <laughs> like what he was showing up with like it, as if he was in a ski lodge in like the seventies or or whatever. You know I you know he says he's a guy who loves fashion. He's he's from Quebec somewhere, isn't he? So he's got you know that um you know that 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 i guess to him but yeah i mean i think they were getting serious about him possibly wearing a t like you know him not wearing a suit to games and <laughs> and, I, and you know like him commenting after the game about how he, you know they'll look into whether it's just you know a fine every game and what that fine would look like you know what i've i used to think it was cool to wear a suit to hockey you know like growing up i always thought it was like you know even when i played high school hockey like yeah. young it was nice it was cool you know Looking back, it looked so stupid. Like I, I feel like these, you know, like I, I, I wish the NHL dropped all of that stuff. You know, like if you, you know, want to wear a suit because that's what you want to wear, fine. If you, you know, whatever, I'd like to see a bit more personality. And I, I feel like as you know, hockey traditions go, you know, this whole having to wear suits and and yada yada, it just it, to me, it's it's a little stuffy. And so to you know to kind of we'll see how long this lasts, but. Just given the circuit, and I, I also find this to be hilarious. <laughs> like these guys are millionaires, man. Like, what do you mean you could like this guy's rolling a t-shirt for two days? Like, you know, like don't you have a fixer in every city to be like, I want a suit, boom, boom, boom. Like, can you get it? I don't know, but uh, I Jeff, mean, I, I'm with you. I just I don't mean, get. Hey, it. Like, he was like, he, he was in New- those guys can buy a those. The, I, I assume every time I walk by like those machines at the airport where there's like, you could buy an iPad on the spot or you can buy like this on the spot. I honestly think those are for like NHL hockey players. Like, it's just like, damn, I forgot my iPad on, uh, you know, on my bed, boom, you know, like just, just a tap and then whatever. So like, I don't know, I find that to be funny, but I like that personality. I like that, you know, I, I like when players show a little bit more of that and you know, hey, maybe this is the start of something very, very bigger. Who knows? Probably not though. Yeah. Pierre-Luc Dubois was in New York City. I'm pretty sure. I mean, yes, he was in quarantine for the majority of the first part of that <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah. I'm thinking he might. I, I he may not be able to go off the rack at Banana Republic, but I, I'm thinking he could have found one. Or I mean, his dad and mother live in the same town as him. I'm thinking one of them <laughs> yeah. could have got into the one yeah. of them could have got into the house to get a suit onto the plane. But uh, I'm with you. I think this Gotta was be a, an app out there for those people. Who go, <laughs> like, I never want to go shopping. I'll pay someone to get something for me. I mean. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. But Whereas he's certainly t-shirt. It's like okay, making the most of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's stay on centerman. I mean, obviously, yeah. we know uh, Mark Shifley. Uh, the microscope has been out uh, leading into the All Star break and coming out. Uh, you know, third game in a row that he's had a goal. Uh, what did he have finished with tonight? He uh, finished with three let's points. See, one, one and two for three. Yep. Um, overall, you know, what and, stood and, out? And nice, great assist too. Sorry. You're about to ask. Yeah. What do you think about the way that he has responded to the, you know, I don't don't even want to say necessarily criticism, but uh, in terms of the... You don't want to say criticism. Well, there's certainly criticism from the fan base. Hardcore. You've been the topic of criticism. You know, he's the only guy who's who's, who is really being asked, you know, where are you? You know, and so, you know, he acknowledged that he needed to come back and have, um, you know, have have a big second half. And what does a big second half look like for number 55? Kind of like that one timer on the four on four, you know what I mean? Like that, that is what it looks like. And to me, um, you know, and you've said this, geez, you said this more than anybody that, you know, 
look like he's not a defensive guru. He's going to have these moments in games where he's going to look foolish and, and you want him to minimize those things defensively. But you also want it to overshadow by by some of the, you know, the things that we're used to him, you know, we're used to seeing from him. And that's, like I said, that one timer on the four on four, that feed to Blake Wheeler on that for a tap in. I mean, yeah. credit to Blake for getting a stick on it, but that's what he did. He got a stick on it. Where, whereas, you know, you have Shifley, you know, delivering that pass. So um, certainly, a, you know, this is what you need from him. You need him to be coming up big. You need him to coming up. That's a clutch goal, the four on yeah. four one two, you know, and, and, and you look at what he's done, you know, you look at the tying goal in last, you know, y- yesterday's game, you look at the, he had the game winner in mini. This is a good week um, for, for Mark Shifley. And what Mark Shifley's had to do is he's had to put good days together. Now he's put a good week together. Let's see him put a couple weeks together and then a month and then the, the second half of the season. He needs to be feeling good again. And he's the kind of guy who you know, you know, you know that it's, you know, it's weighing on him. You know, he's a point guy. You know, he, you know, he, he, he studies film and all these things. And, and, you know, he's still that hockey nerd that he's been referred to, you know, so often that he wants to see that stuff get, you know, pay off. And it pays off with, you know, the kind of plays he made tonight and, and has made this week and that's just the way these guys are built they need confidence and I think if you're looking at this you need Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley to be confident um, and I think you're gonna you know a big game from 26 tonight and a, and a, and a strong week for the most part um, you know, obviously there's moments defensively and you can stick them out and some are glaring on Mark Shifley but um, at, at least he's getting that touchback because you need this team needs to score big goals uh, they haven't offensively Defensively gifted team, and they need 55 to be that player. We've seen this last week for for you know these last stretch this last stretch here. Yeah, it's been impressive, and he and he needed it. I think too. I mean, Jeff, I'm not sure what maybe stood out to you in that in that comment with Mark when Mark met the press the day before the game or the day of the game. Uh-huh. He did sound refreshed, right? When it came, like this was a guy who looked like he needed. I, I said it to Osler uh, going into the break. He looked and sounded like a guy that needed a vacation when he came back. You know, one thing I'll share. What do you quickly. think it was? What do you think it was? Like, what What did you think was was was? I mean, obviously, it was more than one thing. But if you yeah. had to say one thing that was, you know, nagging this team and and putting them into, you know, you you're around the team. I'm around the team. You know, on the road, you know, you see these guys often. What would you say was the biggest thing weighing them down? Because I have a, I, I I have a feeling I I could name one. You thing. have a theory? Good. Uh, to me, I, I think for Mark specifically. Uh, I think that the Olympic stuff kind of immersed immersed him. Uh, his his thoughts. I mean, he often said that you know it's in the back burner. But to me, this is a guy who um, he got a taste at the World Cup. Obviously, with Team North America, he has represented his country at the World Junior and the World Championship. But this is a guy who wants to play in the Olympics. Uh, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself. I think there was uh, some emotional toll from the off season with the suspension that was still because the suspension. I mean, to me, Jeff, if if, if he serves the last game of his suspension against Montreal and starts the season fresh, then it's no problem. I mean, you put that chapter behind you in your life and you move yeah, on. Yeah, I carried with you all off season too. Like, and especially and, yeah. the way he talked about how his family was targeted. I think that that you know we know how important Mark's family is to him. I mean, he did the great expansive feature on him and speaking with a lot of those family members. Mm-hmm. That would have hurt Mark at his core. Uh, I think a lot of people were viewing him differently as a player. Uh, 
Some people were questioning the accountability on the hit. I think that that bothered him a lot. And Mark's a guy who gets immersed in the game and sometimes can't get away from it. I can remember one year uh, coming out of the Christmas break, the Jets played in Chicago. And my flight ran through Toronto. And just by happenstance, Mark Schleifley's on the last flight from Toronto to Chicago. I see him on the walk to the to the terminal. I mean, these guys aren't flying commercial very often, but this was one of those times that they were where they're meeting the team. There's no practice on Boxing Day. Uh, and I was talking to Mark and I was asking him about his break and he said it was great. But then he, he almost immediately he said, well, I spent a lot of time with Adam Oates looking at video. And like, to me, it looks like this time he actually took the five days away from the rink and kind of just blocked out that part of the world, the, uh, the outside noise as people like to describe it, and kind of came back and remembered that, oh yeah, I love hockey. You know, this is a guy who loves the game uh, and he's playing with a little bit more of that love and passion coming out of the gate. Uh, that's my theory on Mark. And I think, he, yeah, I mean, he has some things he still needs to clean up on. But um, I think that there's shared responsibility on that first goal, as I mentioned. And same thing last night. I think that the pinch by Pion kind of kickstarted that whole thing. Mark didn't, he was gliding, but he didn't think he was going to have to be chasing anyone. He thought a play was going to be made in the neutral zone. And then, like I said, I'm not I'm not blaming Billy Hanley because it was a tough play. But he didn't take the puck carrier, the shooter, or the pass. He didn't take away the passing lane. So, I mean, he kind of got stuck in the middle. And I think that when you are one of the best players, and as Dave, La- I think Dave Lowry doubling down and saying Mark needs to be our best player, that's smart coaching. You have to motivate your best players sometimes and show some faith in them, even at a time when you know you want more from them. So I thought that that reinforcement was important as well. But it just seems like because Mark Shifley ends up in the frame lately, everyone thinks that every goal is immediately his fault. At least that's what that's what it seems like the fan base is going. But I mean, today he had a massive game, uh, another kind of big time game in a, in a in a game. We talked about it so often last year, Jeff, in those games against McDavid and against Matthews. When is Mark Scheifele going to take over a game? Well, tonight was one of those days where he basically willed the Jets back into the game. It was two nothing, and the game was teetering. Like the shots were like twelve to one, and that's one goal away from it absolutely falling off the rails. And he helped get them back into it. So, anyways, back to your theory. Sorry about that. That's well, my yeah, trip no, to the buffet. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and and for and for Mark too, like you mentioned the 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 profile I wrote on him years ago, the biggest takeaway was he was like the story was pretty much based on him being the world's worst loser. You know, right. and you so you know, he doesn't we all have those we all played with those guys, right? Where they couldn't couldn't get past the loss or you know, the losses would compound and they wouldn't talk after games and they'd be quiet and you know, um you know, he's kind of one of those guys. He's hated losing his entire life. And so I certainly, I can certainly see how the, the, how things would win. My question to you is for the whole team, but I, I did, I no, no, fair, yeah. the, 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 um, the, the psychoanalysis on, on Mark Seiko. I thought, <laughs> thought that was very, that was very good. Very um, deep. I've given it a lot deep. of thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. It sounds like this needs a hug, but, um, you know, I, to me, I think the I think that living in Canada under the COVID restrictions and testing in particular was a massive um, issue for this team. Like yeah. the you know the lack of hanging out with each other, the lack of a social life, the lack of probably wives getting together. I mean, I'm sure they you know do their thing too, but just the whole being stuck at home, you know, and 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 the, the anxiety that goes into testing every day and wondering if you're getting this. I you know I think it. You know, guys were really snarly. You know, guys were, um, you know, I'm not trying to make this a COVID thing or, or whatever. I just think that that really weighed on them. I, uh, you know, I think they, they just weren't having any fun. And and I and over this opportunity, some guys came back and got COVID, so they were obviously, you know, 
most likely, you know, finding some fun out there and doing some things. And I think that's what they really needed was a, a, a break and a, a relaxation from that. And now that they're not getting tested, you know, every day, I think sets them up nicely as far as, you know, the mental side of the game and, and whatever. And I also think they're having fun because I think they feel like they're fighting now. You know, I, yeah. you know, I, I really do. I do really think, you know, you, you, you would have hoped that this team would have figured it out and knew the, you know, danger they were in standings wise. Uh, over the last two, three weeks and gotten better results or, or, or month or six weeks, whatever. Uh, but now I think it's it's do or die. And I think it's turned this team into a, you know, a scrappy team, a fighting team. And I'm, I'm interested to see how long they can keep this up because they, they, they have a hole. They're going to be in a hole for a while. And so, you know, they need to be clawing these, these wins out and, and, you know, couple the break with, you know, some of the nastiness this, this week. And, you know, I think they're, you know, they maybe, maybe just maybe, are, are possibly turning an edge here and, and, you know, we can see some more, you know, some more passionate hockey, if you will. Yeah, these next, I mean, it's interesting. You, you touched on the, you know, five out of six points for the Jets against quality, quality opponents and high-end opponents that they're chasing. We've talked about this before, about how the Jets handle success, Jeff. I mean, they're welcoming the Chicago Blackhawks on Monday. We know that the return match with the Minnesota Wild is going to be feisty and fired up and all of those things. How does this team respond on Monday night against the Chicago Blackhawks? Blackhawks been playing better, all of those things. Yes, Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes. He's a much-wanted player at the deadline as a rental for the contenders. But how are the Jets going to play against a team that they'll have to get up themselves for? These other games were easy to get up for because of the nature of the games. Chicago probably wants to play a more wide-open style. The last time they rolled through town, they basically played the way that got their coach fired. I mean, to me, I'm very curious to see how this group responds. Uh, because, let, let's be honest, I mean, last night and tonight, were kind. Of, it was one of those things where you wouldn't have been surprised if the Jets kind of rolled got rolled in this game in the back-to-back instead they they changed the narrative but now can they sustain it especially against a team that you know is not as easy to get up for in quotation marks again because i know and you know the jets have to get up for all these games they they respect their opponent but can you sustain it against a team you know sometimes you had to play up to the level of dallas maybe or up to the level of nashville now you have to dictate the play to the chicago blackhawks how are they going to handle this little bit of success and how do you expect them to respond on monday night so i would buy that um more if if they were you know like the florida panthers like if, if they were and chicago was coming oh no, you're right town, it was like oh like you know we're, we we can't we can't you know this we can't i'm not saying guys view it as point night we can't view these guys as we got to have respect for all our opponents yada yada mm-hmm. the, the the jets should not have to be asking themselves to get up for anybody in this day like right now they need to be if if, if, if you have a hard time getting motivated now this team's done so, but but to your point, I'm not saying that I'm know, not that, saying that they should have a problem. No, I'm just saying sure, that they sure. have had a problem. Well, with I, that. And, but but regardless of you know how we feel, they're gonna you know whether they show up, they better show up. I mean, yeah. that the reality is, is this is you know this. There's no easy nights in the NHL. You have to have respect for all your opponents. Blah blah blah. But if you're losing to the Chicago Blackhawks, you're in big trouble. Um, you know they're not as good as you. And so this is the you know this is where you need to, you know, I agree with you in the sense that. Maybe they've had to play up to Nashville. Like they, they matched their intensity tonight and played a disciplined game and, and, and clearly came out with the two points. Similar to in the Dallas game in that, you know, they, they had to match that intensity. But when you're playing, when you're at home 
and you're, you're you're another divisional game, regardless of where they are, you need those points. And uh, to me, I think this one's a you know, from what we what we'll see or what we think we might see, we better see a Jets team that's motivated because those are two points that at the end of the game, I don't know what you can say afterwards if you don't get both of those points. Um, that's just a massive disappointment. No, and the only reason why I say it is because of what we saw against the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm not I'm not going out on a limb and saying, like, this is like when they were looting the division, losing games against teams below the line. I mean, mm-hmm. we have recent examples where they didn't play at a high enough level against a, a team that's below them in the standings. We've talked, you know, this whole stretch here against central opponents or against teams that they're chasing. Now they're playing a team that's chasing them. So the hunter becomes the hunted. It's always interesting to see how how groups respond. And uh, let's quickly go to the goaltending. I mean, some folks thought, oh, after a back-to-back, maybe you go to Comrie on Monday. To me, I think Comrie Comrie plays Thursday. I think that Hellebuck rides on Monday and Wednesday, and you can play Eric Comrie on Thursday against the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I think that's the play, too. I don't, you know, I I can't see, I can't see Connor Hellebuck playing back-to-back games and then them them not playing, you know, getting a couple days off here or or till Monday, rather, sorry, and then then he's in, right? I I think he goes right back in there. You need these points and you let him ride what he's, you know, playing some pretty good hockey, continue that. And and then, yeah, I think you put Comrie in for, for, uh, against the Kraken. I I think you need to get Comrie into more games. I'd be curious. Um, I'd be curious the whole process they have. I wonder what those conversations are like with, with Connor Hell, because I've always been, you know, it's funny because every time I write that he's arguably the best goalie in the world, like, or, you know, I get, I get so many emails from people being like, who's paying you to say that? What, you know, who's, who's, you know, whatever. And I know Connor Hellebuck hasn't been the Connor Hellebuck, the Vesna, you know, worthy Connor Hellebuck that we've seen. I, I, I certainly think he hasn't been as bad as people suggest this year. It's, and, and and if you look at if you look at particularly the early parts of the of the season, there's, and if this team doesn't make the playoffs, and you go back and depending on how many points they um, depending on how many points they they're out by, you can look back at Connor Hellebuck on a handful of games and go, you know, they didn't win when he played well and and, and whatever. So, but at the same time, you look at what Comrie was able to do, the poise and the confidence he had in St. Louis, and you wonder, okay, well. You know, maybe Connor Helbuck could use a break. Maybe you aren't using his, you know, you aren't using his, maybe you shouldn't be going to his word as much as, as maybe giving him a break. Because if the Jets are going to, you know, go deep in the playoffs, you don't want to get see him getting tired at the end of the season and, 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 and into the playoffs just because you're desperate for points. I'm going to take the over on this, but only slightly. Um, how about yourself? Who so thirty what thirty seven? So I, I set the I set the over under for Hellebuck in the last forty games at thirty two point five. Mm-hmm. I'd said over, but just over. So here, if he says more than five, I'll say he gets six or higher for me. What about for you? There's thirty seven left. Well, just given the schedule, you think that he, you know, I mean, in, in other circumstances, you can kind of you can justify playing, you know, loading the games on Connor Hellebuck because if you look at the actual number of games. Um, if you just look strictly at the numbers, that sounds more than reasonable, right? That 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 heavy workload. But given that workload's going to be within, you know, a magnified, you know, condensed season with more games than they would have, you know, imagined there. I imagine they would have had the 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 uh, the the Olympic break, right? He would have been playing mm-hmm. hockey still, so there still would have been, you know, a workload for him. But I, you know, I wonder how that would have changed. Like, obviously, it doesn't matter anymore. But at this point, 
I think you got to get Comrie in, but I also think Comrie needs to earn the crease every time he gets in, and that's just the reality of being a backup goalie. But if he comes in, you want to set up Eric Comrie to, to succeed because you want him confident too that when he does go in, you know. But I, you know, I think the reality is going to be is he's going to have to prove every single time, like every backup goalie, that he's worthy to get in because they're going to ride Connor Hellebuck because it's all about making the playoffs right now. And you know, my theory of wanting to maybe you know have a bit of load management so he has uh you know some some more energy in the playoffs is really pointless if they don't make the playoffs so i, exactly. I, I see i see a heavy load on him but I, i'm with you i think very very slightly over that but not much more same so Comrie right now seven starts eight appearances i would have thought going into the year hellebuck around 62 ish especially if he was going to play in the olympics without those are taxing games but there are two then you start the backup coming out of the olympic break uh, and things of that nature um i agree with you I, one more quick thing on hellebuck before we we turn it over i mean um seeing the way so mike mike mcintyre was asking about the starting assignment today to me i looked dave larry was shaking his head before the question was over my interpretation, Jeff, was that he thought Mike was asking him if he considered pulling him at 2 nothing, uh, whereas the question was actually about who he thought was going to start. Uh, what was your interpretation on, on that? Uh, and maybe am I reading too much into it? Uh, interesting you say that. That didn't cross my mind when I was watching because I, I felt like I knew where Mike was going with the question. Sure. I, I, I didn't think that, you know, and whether, you know, Dave Lowry would have reacted to thinking, would you, you know, were you ready to pull him? I think that would have been an interesting question because... Um, you know, some of those goals, like particularly the second goal to me was kind of stoppable, you know, or, you know, like it did ride up that cop stick though. I think it changed the trajectory. I mean, it did come out from far enough that you'd like that save. Well, to that's what I mean, you know, like, and, and, you know, we've seen, you know, like, yes, it, it was redirected, but I think from where the distance was anyway, I, 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 but to your, to your question, who knows what he was thinking, but I, I felt like that that's where Mike was going with it. And, um, you know, I think he would have had the same answer regardless Fair, of the, yeah. the question. <laughs> what I think, cause I, I think the reason why I, I think it's, it, you know, your, your, your thought is interesting because I think that Dave Lauer would have that exact same, you know, response to if you know to either of those so and he's already had it once this year right i mean he was asked about it by mike one other time at one of the home games where the jets kind of responded there well nick you know i i thought it was interesting too because even in mike's question like the statistics show that goalies don't play well in back-to-back games you know what i mean so it's it's like there's enough of uh you know the analytics there to suggest this isn't the right move um but it's also, uh, you know, I think those are all dependent on who the goalies are, you know, and who, and, you know, we know that Connor Hellebuck can take on a, you know, wants to take on a massive low. This is how he gets comfortable. And let's not, you know, pretend that Wade Flaherty doesn't have say in this. You know, he knows, you know, that's his job is to know the goalies, to know, you know, how they're doing, to trust them and to make sure that they're not, you know, you kind of have to have a leash on them a little bit here, but at the same time, I mean, you know, to the expression Dave Lowry made, I, I thought it was a, you know, for them, I'm not surprised at all. And for, and clearly from that response, if he did think it that way, it was a no brainer that he was going back to Connor Halibut. Okay. Uh, last, uh, anything else to get off your chest? I think we've gone over an hour. I'm here. looking, I'm looking covered, at my, covered, my, whatever my your notes list. say, what, did, notes what did I, did I just, miss anything? I'm not as good a host as an analyst, as you know, but I'm just well, no, I to, feel like to get by here. Yeah, you, you know, you're doing a terrific job, Kenny. I think, uh, no, uh, I, I have everything in here. I, I, all my, all got my, it covered. I don't know. Does anyone else have a question here? They think, oh, Super Bowl predictions. Oh, yeah. You sorry. Got, let's do got, that before got, we left. Uh, I'm going to say 
I personally would like to see the Bengals win. Oh, I just I just feel like they're ahead. Like I think that they're they're in for a heartbreak. I think they've done I, I love the way that Joe Burrow plays. To me, my big issue, I mean Joe Mixon, yes, I understand he's an important part of their team. I don't think they run the ball well enough. Uh, and I also think that, you know, Jalen Ramsey is going to be able to blank. I mean, I love the way that Jamar Chase has played, but yeah. I mean, if, if he so goes one, if he goes one on one with anyone else except for Jalen Ramsey, so I could good. see I could see him going off, and, and you know, maybe he has three three touchdowns, and maybe they find a way to win. But they don't. They to me, they need like a battering ram type of running back, and I, I don't think that they have that player. I think if they if they're their offensive line needs to give Joe Burrow time because he has been under duress. Even in the game, one game, I think he got sacked nine times and they still yeah, won. Yeah, they still won. First time ever that teams got sacked that Just many times in one crazy, game, crazy. Right? So, and to me on the flip side, I think the Bengals' only chance of winning outside of Joe Burrow being out of his mind is to exert pressure on Matthew Stafford and force him into a Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford type of two or three turnovers, maybe a pick six or a fumble in there. But to me, the Rams are so deep. You know, they went out and got Vaughn Miller. They went out and got OBJ. Um, I love Cooper Cup. I love that somebody had the stones to vote for him as the MVP because it doesn't have to automatically be a quarterback in that position. Uh, Nothing against the season Aaron Rodgers had, but... I just think that you know Aaron Donald is so good defensively. I I can't see how he doesn't disrupt the timing of Burrow in the game. I think it's a tight game, but I'm going to choose the Rams, and I'd have no problem with them winning. But I also would love to see the like What's the Bengals the are the great underdog underdog story. I won't make it about gambling, but I wonder what the spread is. Um, yeah, so I'm with you in the sense I want the I want the Bengals to win. I think it'd be a great story. Um, I just really want to see a ton more Joe Burrow memes Amazing. come out, you know, just and the shades too. Speaking yeah, of fashion and PLD, fun. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those, <laughs> those have been fun, fun to see. The way I see it, I, I think the Rams win. My get, my my guess in all this is that the Rams kind of build up a fair amount of a, a fair lead, and I think we see some Joe Burrow magic. Um, like against the Chiefs, right? Everyone where, thought the where, Chiefs where, are where, running away right, with it, right? Or where it becomes desperate football, right? And, right. and I think, and, and I think we we see them maybe claw their way back. But I'm with you. I think it's a bit of a heartbreak at the end where you just kind of fall short. But I hope we're I hope we're dead wrong. Um, and the next time we're on the show, we can you know, give them calls <laughs> check the receipts, and, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, Bengals <laughs> blow them away. It's just like me me suggesting a comeback that just falls short be pretty stupid. But I, you know, I I, I can't help. I, I definitely I have no rooting interest. Um, my team, my team. I don't really have teams, but for some reason, I I, I, I follow the Jets. So I, I, you know, the New York Jets. And so anyway, um, is that a Gary V influence, or how did you start to follow the uh, the Jets, the New York Jets? Sorry, we're getting off topic. Reading here. reading the New York Times because there just you, because, you know just yep. you know I just so like it would it was it was that and and just the you know the the Ryan days and and just yep. kind of the disaster that they would they've been and the Sanchez. I just like reading about disastrous teams. I like that you know that that harm you know so um but yeah that's what i'm most comfortable with but yeah no i but i but it but you know what this is going to be an exciting one i it's one of those for me that it's a win-win for whoever wins it's going to be a good story so totally yeah totally. and a great game that doesn't have a mahomes in it you know and, uh, Sorry, and, a, and a fabulous halftime show. What a weekend for music fans. Uh, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois referencing Motley Crue in the dirt. 
and uh, yeah, you know yeah. Snoop Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, uh, Eminem, oh, Mary, Mary J. Blige put, show, should man. be tremendous. Holy smokes! Absolutely, like I was getting the you know they have the uh, the trailer. Have you seen the trailer on YouTube? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, awesome, man. I mean, I I feel like I got old overnight. I'm 36, turned 36 not long ago, and I just feel like this is, you know, I I saw some memes too. Like that halftime show is going to be just bonkers. Uh, and again, it's so interesting, again, totally off topic, but this, I think, is why folks can relate. We, we watched one of the, the Janet Jackson uh, show on Netflix recently, okay. and all the uproar about, you know, what happened at the halftime oh, show. Oh, man. How, how, how are they going to get through any of the songs without without having censoring things happening uh, yeah, tomorrow? I mean, that, that's what yeah. I'd like to know. You don't want to be typing the transcript out in some of those songs. But <laughs> I, you know, I... You know they, they'll, they'll find ways i think they'll they're pretty good at edits and the self-edit stuff so who knows maybe they'll have someone yeah you'll you'll need a you'll need a creative writer just to yes just the to lyrical make sure, that, make sure things are are are, are up, you know up to up to where we are in 2022 to say the least for sure but okay i'll start studded lineup for sure yeah should be tremendous uh hammy thanks for joining us this was a lot of fun we always enjoy uh sharing the airwaves and uh, folks uh, another awesome job by the chat room uh firing things up for uh an hour and 12 minutes and counting i'm going to get to my writing here hope everyone has a fantastic weekend uh, if you didn't check it out uh, we had christina rutherford and arash madani on our long form show on thursday it was uh, fantastic and uh one last push if you're looking for uh, it's not christmas time but uh, if you're a little late on valentine's day uh never better late than never always an opportunity to check out the uh, knr merch at the uh, sportsnet store there so thanks again everyone have a fantastic weekend and we will talk to you after the game on monday cheers cheers guys